Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries. Welcome to you and thank you for joining me. In this episode, we're going to look at Lesson 9 of our Isaiah's Messiah Names of Jesus series. And we have been primarily focusing in on the names of Jesus from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. But in this episode, I would like to bring in one additional one also found in Isaiah from Isaiah chapter 7, 14 and 15. And that is how his name will be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel, meaning God with us. So to do that, I'm going to share with you a clip from another message that I've done on this very name of Jesus, Emmanuel. And I pray that by the end of this, you will understand the beauty of this wonderful, precious, and tender name. And I thank you for tuning in. So let me get right into that message and then I will be back at the end. God bless you in Jesus' name. May this really minister to you today. I want you to see that he is Emmanuel. And we're going to start tonight in Isaiah 7, 14, where that beloved prophecy is found. And I want to read it just as we begin here. It says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a son, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So we know that he is called Emmanuel. But what does that mean to us? How does it break down and be applied to us? What is Isaiah saying there? I want us to look at the words themselves just for a few minutes, and I won't spend a lot of time because I've got some other things going. But I do want you to understand that when it talks about how he will be called Emmanuel, that word for call is talking about to call out to someone. It's almost like accosting someone, or in other words, encountering them, meeting them. It suggests a meeting or an introduction. It's where you meet somebody and you begin to form a relationship and get to know them from that relationship and from that meeting. That's what it's talking about. You give them a name because now you know them. I used this illustration the other night. I'm going to throw it out here. To us, President Trump is President Trump. We wouldn't dare walk up to him and say, hey, Donald, how you doing? Because we don't know him in that way. But Melania, I doubt very seriously that she goes around the house going, President Trump, will you take the trash out tonight? President Trump, do this. I need you to do this, President Trump. I love you, President Trump. I got a feeling she, has, she knows him on a first name basis. She probably even has a pet name for him that we just don't know. So I, she knows him in a way that she has a deeper relationship than just knowing about him. 
And that's where I believe God is taking us in this year. I am so excited and thrilled about where God is taking us in this year. In my class on Wednesday nights, we're starting a study about the Tabernacle of David. We're, talk we're talking about a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ in this coming year. I want that. I'm hungry for that. And I'm praying that God's pouring that out in our church and among us all and in our families. I'm praying for it to, that fire to be lit in my family. I want my children and my grandchildren to be desiring the Lord and to be pursuing Him and to be getting into a deeper relationship with Him and a walk with Him where they know Him. They know Him on a first-name basis. They don't know just about Him. They know Him personally. They know Him personally. It's interesting when you look back in the scriptures, you'll see in places like Genesis 4, 26, where it talks about when men began to call on the name of the Lord. That's what he's talking about. It's like they began to meet him and have a relationship with him. They began to know him, not just know about him. This was in that third generation from Adam. And then we go on down to Genesis 12, 8, where God calls out to Abraham. And Abraham responds by calling on the name of the Lord. He responds by taking that introduction and saying, yes. And what did he begin, what did he later be called in the scriptures? He was called the friend of God. He knew God intimately. He started to know this God. He started to have a personal relationship with this God from that encounter, and he called on the name of the Lord. So it's talking about to establish an actual relationship to begin a friendship with somebody. Think about that for a minute. Think about it. We, we sing the song, we're called a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. What about from God's perspective? Are you his friend? Have you ever thought about God wants you to be in a friendship with him, in a relationship with him that is a friend-to-friend -friend encounter, a friend-to-friend -friend relationship. In Romans 10, 13, I want to read that to you right now. It says this. Paul picks up on this when, he's, when he makes this statement. He says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not just knowing Jesus, the name of Jesus. It doesn't mean you just call out Jesus Christ. A lot of people call the name of Jesus Christ sometimes when they don't care beans about him. They're using it as a curse word or whatever because they, you know, stump their toe or whatever. But this is talking about somebody that calls out in faith, that encounters him and responds and so the Bible's telling us that he is called Emmanuel. We can encounter him. We can know him as Emmanuel experientially, personally, and intimately. He is God with us. He is God yoked together with us, God walking with us, God in relationship with us. It's interesting, this week I've been meditating on this, and the Lord's been giving me some insight about what real evangelism really is all about. You know, 
I could, I could bring Stephanie up here, for instance, and I could introduce you to Stephanie. Because Stephanie's a friend of mine. And I know Stephanie. We go way, way back. Long time. I've known her all of her life because she's younger than I am. <laughs> so I can introduce you to Stephanie because I have a personal relationship with her. Is that not what real evangelism is all about? You take the friend called Jesus, whom you know personally, and you introduce somebody else to him. I want to pick this up. And I saw this this week in a way I had not seen it before as I've been meditating on this thought for evangelism and God being my friend and me being able to introduce somebody else to him like I would a friend that I know personally. And John, the Apostle John, picked up on this, and this is what he's talking about in 1 John chapter 1. He says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. In other words, John is saying here, I know Jesus. I saw him. I walked with him. I was in relationship with him. I heard, I heard what he said personally when he was with the crowds and when he was in private with just us. I know him. I know this man. And he's the one that I'm trying to introduce you to so that you also can have fellowship with him, so that you also can be in a relationship with him, and so that you can have the joy that exceeds because of that. Because David said, restore to me what? The joy of my salvation. There's joy in that. That's what John is saying here. You take the real person, the friend that you know, and his name is Jesus Christ, Emmanuel. You take him and you show him, and you introduce other people to him. And so I want you to see today that his name is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is literally with us. I want you to understand this. Let's think about this a little bit deeper. He is with us, yes, but it also means to associate or to huddle together. It's like that. That's in the root word of it. It's talking about to be in conjunction with accompanying. But even beyond that, to be equally with us. In other words, God who became man. He came down to our level. He came in the flesh and became one of us, equal with, in humanity, equal with us. He is still 100% God. He always has been, always will be. Never did he ever disown that. But he laid aside that in the sense of coming and taking on also 100% humanity. He is God's son. He is in the flesh, God in the flesh, and as a matter of fact, John the Apostle tells us that's how you can know the spirit of Antichrist. 
Because that's the thing that Antichrist, that spirit and that religion teaches, is he, God doesn't have a son. And God didn't come in the flesh. But we know the truth that he did. The fulfillment is found in Matthew one twenty three when the angel is telling Joseph, he is this one and his name is called Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us. Thayer says it this way. He says it's God united with us. God dwelling with man. God walking with us. God living with us. Listen, in Genesis 3, 8, it tells us that there was a time when in the cool of the day, God came down into the Garden of Eden and he walked with man every day. He walked with him. Imagine that. Adam got to see the face of the Lord, the one that we yet have the privilege and the honor of waiting to see his beautiful face. The older I get and the closer I get to going home, the more I'm looking to just take his beautiful face in my hands and just love on it. He's beautiful. He's beautiful. And he walks face to face and he wants that encounter with every one of us. So God started this whole thing when he met man, when he made man, when he made man. He's the one that had the idea to make man in the first place. Why? Because he wanted relationship. He wanted a friend in man. He wanted relationship. And so we see the ultimate restoration of that in Jesus. That's what John has just told us. He was here. I saw him. I touched him. I walked with him every day. I know him. I know him personally. Let me introduce you to him. And then you will walk with him and he will be dwelling with you. He is with us. Emmanuel teaches us that he is with us in everyday life. He just does life with us. Just like you're married maybe to a spouse and you have a husband or a wife or you have children that do life with you or you have friends you connect with. And what do you do? You just live together. You just live life together. You meet. You meet for lunch. You meet for whatever. You share. You talk. You spend time together. You commune together. You fellowship together. That's what it's all about is relationship. And Emmanuel tells us that God is restoring that relationship in everyday life. In the good times when we're up, kids graduating from college, or we're celebrating the birth of a new child or grandchild, or when we're celebrating the graduation of one of our children, or whatever it may be, in all the good times, he's with us. But guess what? He's also with us in all the hard places in life. In all the bad times. He lives life with us. When we have to face some of those darkest valleys ever. David said in Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? Why? What's the rest of the verse? For thou art with me. God is right there. He's right there. When you have to bury a child 
or a spouse or a loved one. When you have to experience some kind of great sorrow or pain. When you're in the hospital, when you're sick, when you need anything, when you're in an emergency room. It made me think of, you know, the, the vows we take sometimes in marriage that are repeated in sickness and in health, for better or for worse. He's with us no matter what we have to go through in this life. And so in the remaining time that we have, and I don't want to take too much of it, I already have, I would like to just share a couple of things. One is my recent hospital stay. The Lord was with me. He even set everything up ahead of time, and I didn't even know it. Because he allowed me to meet and to build a relationship, establish a new patient relationship with a doctor that has become critical in my care, and he's the one that's still overseeing this pick line and the medicines and all of that. If I had not had that relationship established before I went in the hospital, they would have just assigned me somebody. It wouldn't have been somebody that had any idea about my case. It would have been somebody brand new. God set that up. God was with me. I felt the presence of the Lord in that hospital room like you would not believe. And I want to tell you about two specific things. I, I, whenever I was sick that week and I wasn't getting any better and I really felt like I was headed to the hospital and I knew that that was where I needed to be at that moment. And I'll never forget, the Lord gave me an image of him as Father God, literally cradling me in his arms. And that thing carried me through. I felt the presence of the Lord. I felt him cradle me like I was a baby in his arms the whole time. And I knew he was with me. And I knew he was taking care of me. And I want to tell you about one more. On Christmas Day, I was at home. By then, I had been released from the hospital, and I was able to be home and praise God for that. But in this moment, it was the afternoon time. My husband had stayed over at my daughter's house longer than I felt I should stay. And um, so I was alone in the house. And I felt, as I was praying, I, I was just overcome by regret. Just looking back, things I hadn't done that I knew I should have done. Missed opportunities. Things along those lines. Things that brought me a lot of regret. And I am not kidding you, this was so precious to me. Immediately, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. And he reminded me of Revelation where it says, God will wipe away every tear. And I will never forget this image. In my mind's eye, I don't consider myself one who sees a lot of visions. I don't, I don't see, I don't proclaim that. I, I've never been one to, to do that. But I am serious in my mind's eye. It was as if the Lord was standing right next to me, close enough that he literally had his hands in my cheeks and he was wiping away the tears with his thumbs. It was so precious to me. He was right there. Reminding me that, yes, we all have regrets. Every one of us could stand up here and testify of things. We know we've missed times when we didn't speak and we should have spoken. Maybe not even so much what we've done, but maybe what we've not done. And yet God 
will wipe away every one of those tears in that coming day. And the Lord just comforted me right then. He has become Emmanuel, real and personal to me. But I want you to think, as, as I've shared, think about Emmanuel, God with you. Good times and bad. He knows the good, bad, and the ugly, and he loves us all. And he stays the course. He stays with us through it all. And that gives us great comfort, and it also gives us great hope because of whatever's going on. He is Emmanuel, personally, daily, walking with us through whatever we may face. Thank you for tuning in for this message today. I pray that this has been a blessing to you and that you know Jesus personally, intimately, as your own Lord and Savior, Emmanuel, doing life with you. I pray that he has become for you and will become for you. If you're new to knowing him, the Emmanuel, the friend that is doing life with you and that you know personally and intimately and can introduce to someone else so that they too may know him as their friend, as Emmanuel, doing life with them as well. I pray that this has been a tremendous blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for our final episode in this series and for future messages brought to you through Covenant Truth Ministries. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.